Greetings, and welcome to the Thin Blue Marriage Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping law enforcement have better and stronger marriages. I'm your host, Dr. Jeremiah Guile, active law enforcement officer and chaplain. Today, we're going to have a special guest, Mr. John Kelly. John Kelly is a law enforcement life coach, motivational speaker, and the host of the Sometimes Heroes Need Help podcast, which covers a wide variety of wellness-related issues. He's also the author of a great book called Surviving Self-Inflicted Wounds, A Deputy's Life of Redemption. He's a 30-year veteran of the Broward County Sheriff's Office here in Florida. He also has an MBA from the University of Phoenix. So, John, how are you doing today? I am well, Jeremiah. Thank you for having me on the show. Well, thank you for being on here. So uh, the reason uh, you know, for the audience here why I have John on here is I met him um, a few weeks back at a conference, and one of the issues that was discussed was the uh, relationship to suicide with marriage. And it's a pretty serious issue, but I will let John talk about that. So, John, can you tell the audience uh, first a little bit about more about your background and and uh, how you got to where you are today, and then we'll discuss a little bit about the suicide prevention. Absolutely, Jeremiah. Thank you. Um, so, so as you had mentioned, I did 30 years um, down in Broward, and a, a blessed assignment, Jeremiah. I, there wasn't a, 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 a job I wanted that I didn't have the opportunity to, to go after. I was a, a patrolman, a field training deputy, a canine handler, I was a detective, I was in the training division, I was a motor sergeant. I mean, I just, I just really a blessed career. And, you know, throughout my, my career, there, there were a series of challenges, and uh, I, I failed. I failed at life miserably on numerous occasions. And, uh, and one of those hurdles that I had to overcome was, you know, uh, some infidelity in my marriage, and I, I just uh, I, I couldn't appreciate in the moment the importance of maintaining that relationship and nurturing it. And uh, I, I think I found myself believing, you know, that old adage, like you know, everything's so good, it's just you know, we're just on autopilot, okay. and. Uh, Autopilot doesn't exist, man. It, it, autopilot was meant for planes, not for people. Right. And um, <laughs> so, you know, through a series of, you know, you, you mentioned my book, Surviving Self-Inflicted Wounds, um, every issue that I had, I, and I've been in hundreds of critical incidents, um, I've seen the horror that we have all experienced as first responders firsthand. And I can say unequivocally, None of those events did the damage to me that I did to me. And, okay. you know, I, I think it's, it's ultimately, you know, we, we need to take ownership and accountability for, for our failings. And, you know, everybody's quick to step to the podium when they do something well and they want to receive the accolades. But I think if we're going to be fair, we need to own our, our failures, and I think that by owning our failures, that, that, that is exactly what will allow us to, to grow and develop and move on. And um, I think we just, you know, we've got so much room for improvement when it comes to that. And, and that was a re reason behind my starting this program and 
my speaking and just trying to bring some awareness and, and more importantly solutions for first responders on how they navigate this life more successfully than I had. Mm -hmm. I think that's pretty important because one thing I have seen with all this uh, expansion of mental wellness issues and, and awareness into our industry, there's a lot placed on awareness and education of the issues, but there's not a lot that actually focuses on the prevention of it and how right. to maintain yourself over time. Yeah, I think that's, listen, if, uh, if we're going to be honest, everybody knows what the problems are. We, we, we know what the issues are. Um, we, we need to do a better job of providing real-world workable solutions on a proactive, sustainable basis. Uh, I like to say, Jeremiah, I like to say, you know, we're all going to slide from time to time. Everybody is going to experience a slide, whether it's in their relationships, their physical health, their mental health, their financial health. We all experience the slide. The key for our success is to keep the slide from developing into a full-blown avalanche. Mm -hmm. Right? If, if we're in an avalanche, we're dying. People, mm -hmm. You don't walk away from an avalanche. So how, you know, how do you survive an avalanche? You stop the slide from becoming so. And you do that by seeking out resources and taking action. And I think so that's really where our efforts need to be, understanding that prevention starts with paying attention to the little things. Um, and, and that starts at home. It, it starts with your relationship, with your, your partner and your spouse. It starts with how you know, do you love you and what do you do for your own personal, professional, physical, mental health. You know, do you make you a priority? Um, and so when we start examining our lives, you know, it, it's incumbent upon us to take action when we find areas that, you know, are, are in, uh, in need of repair. And uh, a lot of times that requires you to look in the mirror and ask some questions. And, and I tell you what, you know, you may not be happy with the person looking back at you. So the fear of that, I think, keeps people stuck, Jay. Mm -hmm. I think it keeps people from, you know, you've ever told somebody, don't ask the question if you don't want to hear the answer? Mm -hmm. I, I think we do that to ourselves. Like, I, I know my marriage is shit. Well, I'm in it. So what is, is that going to take me changing or just the other person? Oh, I, I'm not the problem. So, you know, uh, you know, it's on her or that's, you know, it's my husband's fault or it's my wife's fault or, you know, if we don't take accountability for our role in anything, I think that that we're going to stay stuck and, and how this relates to suicide, you know, for, for the listener. For every bad guy that takes the life of an officer, two to three take their own lives. Mm. That's a statistic that is that is irrefutable. If we dig a little deeper, 
for every one of those first responder suicides, half of them are the result of a breakup or a divorce. That should, that, that should send shockwaves through this first responder community. Because I can tell you, we don't spend time and energy enhancing and nourishing our relationships at home. It's, it's not a priority. We actually, the way we conduct business drives wedges, drives us further apart. And so we sit back and we, you know, we, we wonder, we look to the sky and we raise our hands and we wonder, uh, how could this be? How could this happen again? Uh, and the answer is, <laughs> we don't have to look far. We do a horrible job of maintaining and nurturing and strengthening the one support network that we completely rely upon when times get tough. And it's our relationships at home. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's no wonder why we have this alarming, you know, we, it, it's multifaceted. So I, I don't want the listener to sit back and go, well, there's other variables. There most certainly are. Um, the reason why one takes their own life is multifaceted. But the cornerstone of resiliency is the family unit and we destroy the family unit. Odds aren't looking, odds aren't in your favor that you're going to come out of this the way you think you are without that support network. So I, I think it's incumbent upon us to have some tough conversations and to redefine what's acceptable behavior and what's not. And, and I think only in doing so will we really be able to impact those numbers, right? And, and it, it's ultimately, it's about everybody living their best life. And, uh, you know, we've got one shot at this, Jeremiah. Mm -hmm. And wouldn't it be a shame to leave this place not experiencing this life's full potential? Right. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's, um, you know, that suicide is definitely a really, uh, it's a very serious and very real issue that I think is like many areas of mental wellness in our industry, people just want to, they don't want to face the reality of it. It's one of those things they don't want to think about it. It's like they, they run from it. Um, right. But, you know, I had a, a former partner of mine, great guy, and he ended up taking his own life. And it was the final uh I guess final break was when he was going through a divorce. His wife said that she couldn't handle it. He was dealing with uh, substance abuse issues, uh, you know, connected to job stress. He developed that negative coping through right. you know, alcohol. And eventually when she just had enough of it, he just couldn't handle it. And that was what the, was the straw that broke the camel's back. And he's so taking his own yeah. life. Yeah. It's, um, it, it it's it's so unfortunate because you know we get to write the script you understand we we get a, we have some at some point along the way we be, we became okay with just throwing our hands up in the air and succumbing to whatever was going to be and that's just good god um 
we've got a say in how this thing turns out. And so I, I think, you know, the importance of, you know, there are going to be things that are going to impact your relationship. And I think it's important for us to identify them. It's important for us to get ahead of them. Um, you know, connecting and communicating and, and sharing, uh, not, not re-victimizing, not traumatizing our loved ones with the horror of the night, but, you know, having a conversation about, you know, why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling. Being present and knowing that, you know what, I, I need to speak to somebody about this because, you know what, uh, I, I know my brain's going to process some things and it's going to take a, a few weeks to work out the kinks and I know that, you know, my emotional brain is is in overdrive and my thinking brain needs to get back into the you know play here and you know it's, it's i'm going on a few weeks now and i'm not feeling any better you know what i i should sit down with somebody and, and work this out uh, we need to make that a no-brainer for our people jeremiah we need to you know i we, we hear this you know these different catchphrases in this space you know smash the stigma and you know at the end of the day, you taking care of you, you being real with you, you understanding that there are going to be things that you're going to need to do on a proactive basis to keep fit mentally. You know, we, we figured that out physically, right? We know that if you don't go to the gym and you don't exercise, that you're not going to look like Frank Zane, right? Mm -hmm. You're not going to. I mean, my Frank Zane reference, I don't know how many people are going to get that, but, you know, I need to come up with a, a newer <laughs> analogy than Frank Zane. Um, I get a lot of stares when I say Frank Zane. Um, all right, so if you don't know who Frank Zane was, Google him on your computer, and then you'll know who I'm talking about. But until then, I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come up with somebody maybe more. Is it contemporary that i got to come up with? Is that the word? <laughs> yeah, that'll um, work. <laughs> All right, so all right, Arnold Schwarzenegger, all right, how's that, okay. all right? Um, you, you're not going to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger if you don't go to the gym, right? Somehow we expect to be mentally healthy if we don't exercise our brain and work through some of the things that we see and experience at work. Somehow there's a breakdown there. We'll go to the dentist to get our teeth cleaned, but we won't sit down with a mental health professional to get our brain cleaned. We won't clear out the cobwebs. We won't address the trauma and the stress and the anxiety because somehow we've equated that with being weak. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and when we do these things, when we finally sit down with a therapist or go to a marriage counselor, it's usually because things have, are, are off the rails, that things have gotten sideways. And we don't do these things in a proactive, preventative way. Um, you know, during our conference, you know, I talked about love languages, right? And, you know, I said to the group, I said, when do we find out about love languages? Right? Yeah. When we're in marriage counseling, when, when we've done the damage. I'm like, well, wait a minute. Why, why does that have to be? Why can't we find out how to nurture how to communicate more effectively before the relationship starts spiraling, right? That's, that's the role I think we need to play 
whether it's, you know, why do we, we don't exercise the day after we get diagnosed with a heart condition. That doesn't make sense. We need to be doing, we know that being fit and having a balanced diet, we know the health benefits to that. We're convinced of it. There's a whole industry developed around reminding you the importance of you staying fit physically. Mm-hmm. We don't have that industry in that buy-in when it comes to our mental health. And I think, you know, one could argue that your mental health, you know, it, it plays uh, such a dramatic role in your overall wellness that it, it can't be ignored. Mm-hmm. So taking a proactive approach, learning what your love language is with your spouse, learning how you have balance and sustainability in a relationship and, and how that equates to you being healthy um, are all things that we need to become more comfortable not only talking about but taking action upon. Um, I, and I think if we were just to do that, if, if we were to, to just pause it and take a critical look at the role we play, you know, do we care more about how we're viewed at work than how we're viewed at home. Mm-hmm. You know, does the, the opinion of my spouse matter to me as much as the opinion of my sergeant or my captain? You know, yeah. what, are, are our priorities in line, you know, do, and, and, and I would argue that there's a fair majority of the folks out there that have neglected home um, for various reasons, but because you know what, work is easy. Home is tough, man. Home, home takes some effort. Home takes some figuring some things out. Home takes you bringing your A game every day for something that really matters. And I think that you know that message needs to be is that you know you can love your agency, but they're never going to love you back the way you you expect them to. And I think if once we realize that, that, you know, your family, your family is the, is the, the one entity, the, the one pillar of resiliency that you can never be wrong by going all in on. And, and you know, it, it, that matters. You know, the kind of husband, father, son, brother, wife you are to that family is the measure of you and not you know the evaluation that you got at work last week you know mm-hmm. and, and i think unfortunately our priorities have, have gotten a little twisted over time and that and that's going to happen right that's going to happen and and by the way jeremiah the things that i'm talking about i'm not I'm not trying to kick anybody when they're down, man. I'm just letting I'm, I'm I want to let the listener know that for the longest time, I was the 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 dark side of all these things I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I I cared more about work than my family. I never told work no. I told my family no on more than one occasion. I shamefully, you know, never communicated with my wife the way I should have, and and when things got tough at home, you know, I chose to bail on my family and have an affair and, 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 you know, and, and cause just some 
irreparable damage to to my my family, my daughter and my wife. And you know, when things got tough, I uh, I bailed, I ran, I didn't do the hard work. And when things got tough, you know, that uh, that darkness, that shame, that um, not not seeing a way forward you know we talk about suicide and you go how could somebody right you know we know these people they they walk amongst us they got everything going for them and on the outside they're projecting happiness and it seems like they have everything together and you say to yourself well you know how could that person what was that person thinking and, and I think part of, you know, addressing all this is us being able to see, us being able to take the mask off and, and be real. First and foremost, to be real with ourselves and, and give ourselves permission to fail, because that's, that's one thing that I never did. Um, failure is just an opportunity to get it right. Failure, failure is an opportunity to grow. Mm-hmm. And if we don't ever look at, failure through that lens, then failure, you know, there's no coming back from failure. And that's just not the truth. That's not the case. And so when you hurt people that you love, when you give the people in your life that love you no reason to do so, and they continue to love you, um, this shame and regret that gets associated with that, but ultimately it's on you. It's what you do in that moment that either that either turns it around or doesn't, and you know, I can tell you from a firsthand basis, the shame that I felt for what I did to my family was real, and that room gets dark quick, and you you start thinking these crazy thoughts like maybe things would be better, and maybe things would be better if I wasn't here, maybe, and and you know. You have these thoughts that are completely irrational. Like, how can you, how can you, how can your family love you if you kill yourself? How can, how, how, how do you make amends? How do you ever become better? How do you right the wrong if you take yourself out? You know, and, and, and some of it is a dynamic. I think that, you know, well, Maybe if I just hurt myself, maybe if I just drive my truck into the retaining wall, you know, she'll come by my side in the hospital and she'll forget everything that has happened up until this point. And then that'll be the catalyst for a new beginning. I remember thinking that, Jeremiah. Wow. I'm thinking maybe my daughter, maybe my daughter will look at me differently. Maybe she'll look at me the way she used to before I hurt her mother. And these are the thoughts. And you go, wait a minute, are you, you're not thinking rationally. And, and you're right. Mm-hmm. But in the moment, those thought patterns seem, seem like they make sense. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we talk about emotional decisions. Could there be anything more descriptive of emotional decision than taking your own life? It, it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. It, it runs completely contrary to every instinct that we have, right? Our instinct to survive and win at all costs. 
and yet we die at our own hands? Um, that emotional decision that, you know, making a, a permanent decision to solve a temporary problem, you know, I, 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 at what point do you realize that you've made a mistake and unfortunately for many of us it's too late? There's no from it. And that's why it's so important, Jeremiah, to provide the information to people preemptively and proactively, right? To, to let them know that, listen, you, you have a say in this. Yeah, you're going through a tough time. It's shitty. You've caused a lot of pain. But you can come back from that. There can be redemption. You can survive self-inflicted wounds. You can turn this thing around. You can love again. You can have people that you've hurt deeply love you again. Uh, but you have to be here for that to happen. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, you bring up a, a great point about the whole irrationality. Um, I don't talk about this too much publicly, but, you know, I'm dealing with PTSD and it, it happened, um, you know, about a year ago when, you know, job trauma finally catches up to you. I wasn't, uh, you know, you do all the education about trauma, but if it's, there's not a follow through, a mitigation to go with it, it still builds up, you know, just sure. knowing about it doesn't stop it from building. And it was <laughs> one right. of those, yeah, that, you're right. you know, the agencies, they, they always focus on education, but there's not enough on the mitigation. Well, you know, one thing I had learned about with PTSD is it doesn't hit you immediately. It's progressive. Once that switch is mm -hmm. flipped, it builds. And I could not see it in myself because of the irrational thoughts. My brain, like what you were talking about earlier, it's always someone else's fault. Well, in my mind, right. I started reaching that irrational state and it was always someone else's fault. And a lot of times mm. it was spilling over into my family. You know, though, I was hmm. becoming cranky with the wife. I was, you know, short fuse. I started getting a temper, which was totally out of character for me because those that know me is I'm I'm a pretty laid back person. But gotcha. it's easy for that blindness to come upon you where you're not seeing yourself. So, you know, when you're talking about uh, wellness and, you know, getting help and breaking the stigma, you know, I'm saying that here publicly to let people know it, you know, if when in doubt you know, start early on any mental wellness you have and not just education, but to get the counseling, get the help, right. something that addresses it because as it gets further and further, that irrationality, that paranoia, that, um, you know, all that stuff that comes with it will make it harder for you to realize that you have a problem. So 100%, you're, you're, you're spot on with that. It's, um, it, it, it's it's why it's it's just like anything, right? You know, early intervention. You know, we we when you if you can start early enough, then you know we're not talking about solving insurmountable problems. We're talking about a minor tweak here and there, right? If we if we if we start early enough and we start doing the things that we need to do to stay healthy mentally and physically, emotionally. And um, you're right. Talking about it, having you know, ha identifying it is great. But substantively, what are we doing about it? Mm -hmm. You know, are we we need to make that follow through 
and, 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 and you actually sitting down with somebody to be, you know, to get on that road to mental wellness need to, needs to, we need to make it as commonplace as you walking into the gym for the first day to get on the road to physical wellness. Mm-hmm. Right? We don't look at somebody who walks in the gym who wants to get it, who wants to start exercising because they want to improve their physical health. We don't look at them with disdain, do we? Mm-hmm. We don't think that they have a problem. We actually applaud them for doing something proactive to take care of their physical health, don't we? Mm-hmm. What? So the goal is that when I say to you, "Hey, Jeremiah, I'd love to go, uh, I'd love to go bowling with you tonight," but I, I've got a, a meeting with my therapist at six. Okay, well, I'll, I'll, uh, we'll, we'll do it another time. Mm-hmm. Not, oh my God, you're going to a therapist, and oh, I, I got to call, I got to let somebody know. John, John sees a therapist, right? But who doesn't see a therapist, right? That's mm-hmm. that's where we need to be with this. That if if you don't have therapy as an option in your rotation of mental wellness, then you're not you're doing yourself a disservice. Mm-hmm. And it, you you don't need to be in therapy every day. If you do, that's okay. When when life throws some things at you and things start getting sideways, let let's jump on this. Let's go seek out a a culturally competent mental health advisor to help us navigate this area that's really causing us or potentially could cause us some distress. Right? Why would why wouldn't we do that? Mm-hmm. Well, you and know. So it- I think that that's where we need to be with this narrative. Yeah. I, I, I know just from my perspective and what I've seen in others, as you know, as, as law enforcement, we tend to be very alpha type people. We tend to have egos. We tend to have pride. And I think that right. gets in the way a lot because, you know, when when problems are coming up, we get this uh, what I call the I got this mentality. When something comes up, sure. I got this. You know, I can overcome right. this. I can pack it. Well, we can until you can't. And right. when right. I've seen just from my experiences, they always talk about the stress cup, you know, when the stress cup overflows. Well, from sure. my experience, it's less like a stress cup as it is like a, a hydraulic system for those that know about mechanics. You know, it's under a lot of pressure. And when, sure. it, when it gets a leak, it, it, it sprays. It doesn't just do a little sure. bit. And I think far too many people, you make, you know, like with me, I, I got to where I couldn't see clearly in myself until one day I thought I was having a heart attack and mm. it put me out for a long time and I'm still recovering. Sure. And I think to myself, I wish, you know, it could have been addressed sooner, you know? Right. So, and I think that's also the role that we play in each other's lives, Jeremiah. I mm. think that, you know, if another alpha comes to you and goes, Hey, uh, can I talk to you? You know, th- these are some things I'm seeing. Um, I mean, we're more receptive, right? I, I, I mean, so, you know, when we talk about being there for each other and having each other's back and, and, and all that great stuff, and when we talk about this thin blue line, you know, um, do you really have each other's back? Do you, you know, or is that just some bullshit bumper sticker you put on your car? 
mm-hmm. you know, do so that may that may mean that you sit down and you stop for a minute and talk and check in with each other and, and, and actually be part of somebody's solution, one that they're struggling to find. And so, you know, I think, you know, the the formalization of peer support and that extending I think is great, I, I, but I think just changing the culture, Jeremiah, mm-hmm. of organizations, you know, leadership understanding that healthy people, you know, if they truly care about their people, th- they need to be concerned about their physical and mental health and well-being, and they need to create an environment in that organization that doesn't penalize the individual who's going through a rough time. And so that takes fortitude, that takes strong leadership, and that takes somebody that understands the complexities of mental illness and and how we get our people healthy. Uh, We are are a reflection of the population, are we not? We are. Um, And so if if half the population, if 40% of the population is walking around with some sort of addiction or mental health issue, We've got the same thing walking around in our departments and organizations. Mm-hmm. We need to do we need to do a better job. We can do a better job of supporting and caring and identifying and solving problems. If I think if we address it at that team level, and it, it only gets addressed at that team level when we have fear of reprisal removed, that's no longer on the table. You don't have to worry about your job. You don't have to worry about your position on the team. You don't, we just want you to get healthy. We understand that it's just a part of life. Oh, so I'm, you know, so what, what I'm hearing is I'm not crazy and you're going to support me and I'm not going to get, yeah. And, and, and we just, and that, that comes with education of our leadership you now on, on what is mental health and what does it look like and what does it mean to, you know, go to treatment and, you know, removing the notion that you're forever labeled a liability now because you struggled at one point in your life. And uh, so there's still a long way to go with this, Jeremiah. And I think, you know, the more we have these discussions that can be uncomfortable from time to time, the, um, the greater the awareness and, and the, the, the fear gets replaced and with a call to action. Mm-hmm. And then when we do that, we change the culture and that's the goal. Yeah. Um, I, that's something I would like to see more of. And on a positive note, I am seeing more and more of that transition happening. It's, it's very slow, but I've seen a lot of departments are kind of following the lead of the fire service. Because the fire sure. service is leaps and bounds ahead of law enforcement when it comes to mental wellness. And you right. still have a lot of the same obstacles. You still have a lot of the same issues. And what I'm noticing is it seems like a lot of agencies are starting to learn from the fire service so that, um, you know, we can start making that positive change. But uh, it, like I said, I've seen changes coming, but I think it is way too slow. Yeah, and, and it's like everything. I've got a saying, Jeremiah, you know, things don't get messed up overnight, so they're not going to get fixed overnight. And, you know, unfortunately, with a lot of things, you you know, we want that immediacy. And 
things things will happen. Things will change, but they, you know, they'll change because people are committed to to making a difference. They'll change because of people like yourself who dedicate themselves to spreading awareness and being part of the solution. And they'll they'll change because, you know, that that's one thing that's constant is change. And I think we're we're finally getting a foothold when it comes to mental wellness that, you know, it's it's no longer something that affects somebody else. Uh, it reaches everyone at, at, at one level or another. And that, you know, when it, when it hits home, it's hard to turn a blind eye to it. So the hope is that, you know, we develop and, and transform and we change a culture into a culture of caring. And ultimately, I think if we just all cared a little bit more about each other than we do ourselves, right, we can accomplish some great things. And I and I think that we're well on the road to doing that. Yeah, um, I I completely agree with you. Um, that's something I'd like to see more of. And you know, earlier talking about tweaking, um, earlier I was just thinking about when guys are at the gun range, they go to qualify and you know, their shooting is just awful or they're barely qualifying. You always got those guys saying, well, you hadn't gone to the range. You hadn't done anything. What do you expect? You know, now all of a sudden you're going to try to be a marksman. I think the same thing applies to, you know, marriage. Same thing applies to our wellness. Um, You can't wait to qualification day and then expect to come out as a sniper. You know, you have Mm -hmm. to sit there and you got to practice. You got to, you know, and it, you know, it doesn't take a lot, but, you know, what I've seen with relationships, especially with marriage, there's you know no such thing as stagnant. You're either getting no. better or you're getting worse. If you think you're stagnant, you're getting worse. Right. So I, I think I think I'll leave you with this 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 one concept of constant, never ending self improvement. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if if the goal every day waking up is to be better. I want to be better today than I was yesterday. I want to be a better husband, a better father, a better friend, whatever that is. Better. I want to be better than I was yesterday. And if if that if if we can put that into practice, and if we can be mindful and thoughtful, and take and and, and identify some actionable steps on how I become better. Is a person today, not perfect, right? No, I didn't say perfect. I said, how do I become better? How do I love more deeply? How do I care more completely? How do, how do, what, is, what do I need to do for that? And if we can wake up every morning with that goal in mind, it's just I want to be better today than I was yesterday, I think some great things are going to happen in your life. Yeah, I like that. I like the way you, uh, you phrase that. That's, I like that. Yeah, we don't have to be perfect, man, because when we chase perfect, we get disappointed, right? It doesn't exist. And then we fail, right, because we're not perfect. You don't need to be. You just need to be better, just a little bit better than you were yesterday. And the ripple effect from that, Jeremiah, is that everybody wins. Mm -hmm. Everybody wins when we try to be a little bit better. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's that's. 
I can see why you're a motivational speaker. <laughs> that's, uh, that's some good stuff. I don't know about all that, man, but I, I think, uh, but I don't know about that, but I think that there are definitely some life lessons that I've learned along the way that had I only known then what I know now, um, I would have saved a lot of people in my life, a lot of pain. Mm. Um, and, and, and isn't that the goal really at this, at this stage in our lives is that I want to pay it forward. I, I want you to have a blessed life. I want you to live a life that you, you, you wake up every day and, and you, you know, a smile is cast upon your face and, and you're just thankful for the moment and you're excited about, you know, what the day will bring. And I think that that, that hasn't always been the case in my life. And that's my wish for your listener moving forward. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. Um, you know, it's been very informative. Um, you know, you've been a great guest on the show. Um, oh, my pleasure, Jeremiah. Thanks for having me. Sure. Um, now, before we wrap up, uh, if they want to find a copy of your book or get more information about what you do, how can they find you on the web? Well, thank you, Jeremiah. So, um, lawenforcementlifecoach.com is the website lawenforcementlifecoach.com is the website and on that website there are links to the podcast and to buy the book the books on amazon surviving self-inflicted wounds a deputy's life of redemption and there's uh scheduling links for consultations and if you just want to talk or you know work through some issues um the website is the best way to get in touch with me and um, I really appreciate you allowing me to put that out there. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's that's what we're all here for is to help others. And, you know, you know, that's how we do it. So, um, all right. Well, again, thank you for being on the show. And to the listeners, uh, thank you for listening to this podcast. Uh, hopefully you'll listen to the other episodes if you haven't already. But uh, just to close, just remember your marriage is your most important relationship. It's your most important team. Treat it as such. Thank you and have a good night. Mm-hmm.